Hey, y'all, this is Grant Malloy Smith, and I sure am listening to the David Bowers Awards. And now, around the world and around the corner, it's the David Bowers Awards, bringing the best in indie music to millions of listeners worldwide with your host, the David Bowers. We've got a fantastic lineup of guests, our entire crew here at the Asylum, and me. I'm John Bon Jovial. And now, here's the voice of indie music, the David Bowers. Well, thank you very much there, John Bon Jovial, old legendary one. Actually, we have only one guest this week because this is a very special show. So we have a very special guest to talk about it. And we'll be telling you more about that in just a couple of minutes. First, we want to welcome you to another The David Bowers Awards, an hour of indie music and talk and and this is going to be a very interesting show. Our special guest this week is Mr. Grant Malloy Smith, Americana and country artist who's been on the show several times. I'm sure our regular listeners are more than familiar with him. And we're going to be discussing something that is very now. It's very much a point of conversation right now, and it should be very interesting as Grant Malloy Smith holds Rockstar 101 and discusses artificial intelligence in the music business. We'll be getting to that in just a couple of minutes, but let's dig back for a, an oldie. One of Grant Malloy's older tunes, this goes back to his Dust Bowl American Stories album. It's called I Come From America.
Mr. Grant Malloy Smith. I come from America. I thought it was a great way to start the show because we're dealing with America's music. We're dealing with a problem that is something that's being thought about in America and American music as well as all over the world. And I'm really looking forward to getting into this. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a very interesting discussion. John Bon Jovial, your thoughts? Well, you know, anytime we have Grant on, the music is just American music. And, and I know I sound like the Department of Redundancy Department, uh, but it really is. It is a form of country music that in many respects is a lost art. And the fact that this gentleman keeps bringing it back and does not only a good job, he does a great job and gets people enthusiastic and excited about it. And this is something that only, as far as I'm concerned, the human touch of an educated person can really, really accomplish and be successful with. So with that said, I'll throw it back to you. And I agree with you. It's also something that you have to be, in addition to being educated, you also have the have to have the heart for it. It's got to come from the heart. This is something you have to be soul. Yes. Yeah, you can't make it up. And we're going to be going to Grant in just a couple of minutes. First, we want to say hello and salute our friends at Titty Bingo, our official house band that provides our theme song. And uh, they are purveyors of Texas rock. You'll find them at tittybingo.com, and you'll find them in the music world backing up a lot of uh, a lot of great artists, including Willie. Check them out. I think you'll find something you like, tittybingo.com. Also, saluting our friends at Rochester Free Radio, our flagship radio station that carries the David Bowers Awards with Steve Litvak's Rock and Roll Rumble Show following our show on Saturdays. We're on at noon, and then Steve follows us at 1 o'clock Eastern Time. After Steve, Armand spins, and Armand is a legend in the Rochester area music market, especially for his house of guitars, The Hog, which is also a shrine to the music business with all kinds of souvenirs of music artists that have stopped in there over the years. Tell you what, even if you're not in the market for a musical instrument, stop by there anyway. It's a great way to spend some time and check out some music history at the House of Guitars in Rochester, New York. And don't forget our friends Jeff Moulton's ABC Oldies every Saturday evening at 8 on Rochester Free Radio. And Sundays at noon after you come home from church or, you know, breakfast, brunch, whatever, check out Brian Judah's Rock the Rock. That's Rock the R-O-C is in Rochester. Sundays, noon to 4 Eastern Time on Rochester Free Radio. You'll love it. And our friends in Rochester, we love you. We invite your letters to david at thedavidbowers.com. Tell us what you do like. Tell us what you don't like. We want to know what you want to hear so that we can go out there and get it for you. This week, as I said, a very special Rockstar 101 with our guest, Grant Malloy-Smith, who we'll be talking with right after we listen to this from his latest album, Appalachia, American Stories. This is one of my favorites from that album, Down to Hatchapi Road. Put you on your best white shirt, come down to Hatchapi Road. Tell your ma, yeah, tell them all, we're gone to Hatchapi Road. Take a path down to the water, we're going there today. Come get you in the water, wash your cares away. Come on, mister, come on, sister, come to Hatchapi Road. 
uh, thematic music, and I'm <laughs> trying to wax eloquently. I'm not doing a very good job <laughs> of it. <laughs> now, sometimes you know, I have these brain farts where it just comes off the top of my head, and it's just, you know, it, it's it's eloquent, beautifully coined BS. So, you know, what <laughs> The wax is getting uh, deep in here already. Yes, oh, is. yeah, I tell you what, and, and it hurts when you pull it off, too. And believe me, he hasn't got as much on top of his head for it to come off of anymore. <laughs> not, not like I used to. But, you know, you mentioned the Mississippi River, which um, I have had limited exposure to. Back many years ago, I worked for a uh, large radio consulting firm called Drake Chenault. It was one of the premier consulting companies in the world, actually. And uh, I was part of the sales effort and programming effort, and I had several clients up and down the Mississippi River, and one in particular in Burlington, Iowa, which is a wonderful river town. But the music scene, I remember the music scene in Burlington was just phenomenal, and a lot of the toe-tapping, foot-stomping stuff like we just heard. I listen to your music, not just this. But, you know, some of the older stuff that you've done as well, and it really does take me back to those days when I did go up and down the Mississippi. Maybe I didn't think <laughs> of the Mississippi specifically, but yeah. it's pervasive there. And so yeah. bottom line is thank you for it. I really appreciate it. I truly do. Amen you know what that. I really like about it is that the, there's so much blues music that happened along the river. That's kind of like the the river is almost like the blood of that music in a way in the it flows and courses down from Mississippi all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. And and you know how much blues there is down in, in Memphis and then farther, a little bit farther down toward the Muscle Shoals region and then, and then mm -hmm. all the way down into New Orleans, of course. And it's different uh, as you go from top to bottom, but it's been such a big influence on our culture. And, you know, I'm not a blues guy, but I really enjoyed tapping into some of that and bringing it to this record. You know, each record's a little different. The Dust Bowl one was kind of more Western in a way because the, the people were from Oklahoma and so on, which is not really right, yeah. kind of Southwest. But they emigrated out to the West, out to California because of the Dust Bowl. So it had a real Southwestern and Western flair to it, where Appalachia obviously had a more mountainy Appalachia flair to it for obvious reasons. And uh, this sure. one will definitely be more – I mean, it's all going to be me. No matter what I do, it sounds like a hillbilly, so it'll it'll all be me, but it'll be definitely more influenced by blues than anything else I've ever done. And it'll be an I think it'll be an interesting blend of my normal you know, hillbilly stuff and, and the and the river stuff. It does sound it and I know from experience of having listened to your music over the years, sounding like you ain't a bad thing. Okay, your Christmas album was the was the frosting on the cake. I mean, that's a classic album in itself. And the fact that you were able to take your style and utilize it to a Christmas holiday format like that without losing any of the two major components, the youism and the holiday <laughs> spirit of Christmas. Right. Great. Right. It, it just leaves you looking forward to what you're going to do next. And right now, <laughs> what we're going to do next is we're going to talk about a subject. Now, I should warn you listeners, this all came about because Grant and I were talking online here a few weeks ago about the advent, the uh, inexorable march of AI, artificial intelligence, and its effect on the music world, and hopefully uh, be able to give upcoming emerging artists 
an idea of what they need to watch out for. We're not going to sit here and tell you what you need to do. We're just going to tell you what's going on, what's happening, what we see happening, especially from Grant's perspective as an active artist, and let you use your own minds to figure out what do you need to do to make it in the business, especially now that AI is taking over. Grant, why don't you start by giving us a little preface of artificial intelligence as it applies to the music industry? Well, there's two ways, really, it can be used. Uh, the easiest or the simplest way, I guess, would be you could ask it to write you some lyrics. You could give it a topic, tell it basically the format you want, you know, the lyrical format you'd like, the metrical feet, if you want to, or just let it make it up on its own. And then you could say, write me some lyrics, and it will do it. And that's, that's way number one. Now, are they going to be great lyrics? Maybe, maybe not. You never know. Sometimes the, what comes out of these, these models is amazing. Sometimes it's it's wrong. I, I wrote a whole blog about this uh, a few weeks ago. It's, it's on my website, and it's published around the world. I did it, an experiment because I heard about these AI models uh, making up things, not just getting things wrong. I mean literally making them up as if they had an imagination, which is what it seems like. But they present whatever they tell you. They present it like it's fact. So how do you know the difference? You have to really, <laughs> you have to really review what they tell you. Um, yeah, you do your I homework. I mean, if it's a song lyric, it doesn't necessarily matter because it's it's imaginary and it's fictional by definition. But but if you're writing a you know a, a, a treatise on some serious topic, you better not believe everything it tells you. Not yet, anyway. I did an experiment. I used Chat GPT. There are several of these uh, language models out there that are AI. And I asked it about me. I asked it all different kinds of questions. You know, there's a lot of information about me on the Internet. I think they stuffed this AI full of everything on the Internet up to about two years ago. So it doesn't have live access to the Internet, so it can't look for new information, but it, it has everything up till about 2020 or 2021, I think. And so it knew a lot about me, but it also knew a lot of things about me that were completely wrong, that were completely made up. And every time I asked it, I get a different answer with more made-up stuff. And also, when I told it what things were wrong, it was very polite and said, oh, okay, that's great. And then it, I checked it a week later, and it remembered all the things. It had added what I told it into its memory, but it didn't have any way to check it, so I could have told it wrong things. And it would have any, no way to know whether I was – it just blanketly accepted everything I told it and added it to the fabric of its being. So, I mean, that's, there's one thing. you, you got to take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> And it might be a useful tool to just get ideas, you know, as a starting mm -hmm. point. It's a tool like anything else. You know, like like some people go to me, oh, I love your recordings. What software do you use? And right. it's, it's sort of like saying, sort of like saying, uh, oh, Shakespeare, he was such a great writer. I wonder what kind of a pen he used. You know, <laughs> really? maybe if I got that pen and that ink, maybe I could write Hamlet. <laughs> right. You know, it really doesn't matter what pen Shakespeare used. Exactly. Any pen will, will work. It's not the pen that did it. It's like not the gun that shot somebody. It's the, it's the person behind the tool that, that makes it do exactly. something or not, or not. The first International Computer Music Conference was held uh, way back in 1974, as a matter of fact, at Michigan State University. And current research includes, as you pointed out so well, it includes the application of AI in music composition as well as performance theory, and mm. digital sound processing. So it encompasses everything that you had yep. just pointed out to us. And what you've said was a great preface 
to continuing this discussion, and I know John Bon Jovial wants to do just that. John, <laughs> the question that you know that I have on well, there's many questions and concerns about AI, but the one that sticks out to me is what you just mentioned: is that you could correct the algorithm and say, no, that's wrong. What's right about me is this, and it'll say, oh, okay, thank you. But who fact-checks the guardians <laughs> of the algorithm? Mm -hmm. Because there's such potential, yeah. the potential for misinformation, whether it's giving credit to a song that's written mm -hmm. or to a presidential candidate. There's so much that can go wrong if it's yeah. controlled by only a few. So who's going to be watching out for them? Who's going to be making sure that they're legitimate and righteous people? You know, I don't know how you answer it, that. I don't think there is an answer right now. It's moving so fast that, uh, and there are really no checks and balances on it. It's all being, these companies are all competing uh, really hard with each other. Somebody wants to, you know, one of them wants to be the first one to really crack it and have an, an amazing uh, language model, like, you know, a large scale language model, they call it ones you can talk to and they can write things back. They can even write mm -hmm. computer code, you know. Of course, like we're talking about, they can write not just lyrics, they can actually create musical compositions and, and create a recording. They are amazing now with imitating people's voices. I mean, it won't be long before you could say, take all of Jimi Hendrix's existing recordings and make me a new one that sounds exactly like him, but not one of the ones that already exist. Make a new Jimi Hendrix song right. and make it sound exactly like Jimi Hendrix. And if you don't mm -hmm. think that can happen in the next two years, you better think again, because it will. Say, I want to have Robert Redford, or name some, he's still alive, but name some like uh, Jimmy Cagney, you know, Humphrey Bogart. I want to have all <laughs> these great actors from the 30s, the 20s, the 40s. Make a whole new movie about it, and I want it to be about a uh, guy right. who races ponies, you know. And the movie will be indistinguishable from reality. It will be so real their voices and their mannerisms and their, just the way they look and the lighting and everything else. Now, on the one hand, you could say, that's amazing. Isn't that great? But on the other hand, it brings up so many like intellectual property questions. Yes. Who owns that? No one wrote it. Right. A machine made it. Or well, I guess the guy who owns the machine owns it. But what about the likenesses of all these people and their voices and right. their manner? Is that all fair game? We can just copy that ad infinitum? And how is that going to affect the royalty situation I mean, we've already got enough problems getting people paid for their for their <laughs> compositions and ideas, and now yeah. you've got somebody taking those compositions and ideas and twisting them to make something new, yeah. and you're saying, now, do they have permission Who to do that? It? Do they need permission to do that? <laughs> it, definitely, it definitely gives us a new Pandora's box there. It's really kind of scary, as uh, John Don Jovial uh, just implied, and with the research and development that they're doing now, I mean, there was an artificial intelligence program called Experiment in Musical Intelligence, EMI. Hmm. And it actually appeared to outperform a human composer at the task <laughs> of composing a piece of music to imitate the style of Bach. And yeah. we're, already seeing, we're already seeing now where they, they can create your voice so perfectly that it can have <laughs> you saying things that you never said. <laughs> exactly. Which is a whole yeah. other kettle of worms. Yeah, yeah. I imagine you could you could have your politician you don't like saying things that make him look mm -hmm. bad, and and yeah. it looks just like him. It sounds just like him. I mean, you can't tell. They're already talking about the possibility of something of that nature affecting the next presidential election, which is less than two years away. So uh, yeah. it's definitely more than a new toy. I don't know. I, I think this may be 
the most scary new development that we've come along with since what? The A-bomb? I think the A-bomb, yeah. But the difference is the A-bomb, can, if we use it wrong, could destroy the whole world. But it's not something that we normally interact with unless you happen to get electricity out of a nuclear power plant like some people do. But Mm -hmm. you can't really play with, you know, nuclear technology. But this stuff, everybody, every man, woman, and child is going to be using it in the next year or so. A lot of people already are. I think it's one of the most amazingly powerful, incredible tools that we've ever come up with. It also has the power to destroy all of humanity. And yes. I don't say that lightly. It could bring an end to the to the human species. Exactly. Oh, yes, absolutely. David and I were talking about this just before the show. A fellow that was working for Google and was considered, I don't remember his name, was considered to be the grandfather of AI. The godfather of AI, uh, yeah. Yeah, the mm. godfather of AI left his position to warn yeah. the world about how this can yeah. lead to our ultimate destruction. It's that yeah. scary. Jeffrey Hinton, yep. you know, it is indeed that scary. It's almost beyond our ability to comprehend what this is capable of. But, Grant, you touched on another part, another facet of the study of AI as far as music, and that was the interactive concept uh, because you've got music scores that are representative by temporal objects and relations, and it gets, you know, way too deep for the average listener to, to really get into, but... How do you think, barring the unforeseen disaster, how do you think artists can and perhaps should or should not consider using AI on an interactive basis to create their music? Well, I look at it this way. The analogy to me is I was riding my bike a few days ago. I do that almost every day you know, to get exercise. And uh, I was on the bike path in my town, and there's all these people whizzing by me on electric bikes, and even electric uh, skateboards. And this one kid who's vaping up a giant cloud, and he goes flying by me at about 20 miles an hour uh, on an electric, not even just standing on it, moving zoom by me. And then I stopped uh, about halfway through the ride, and these people were next to me, and they said, hey, you got to get one of these uh, electric bikes. I'm like, well, I got this bike to get exercise. So it would sort of be defeating the purpose of riding the bike if I didn't pedal anymore. <laughs> I might as well get in my car and drive around or just sit on the couch, you know, because I wouldn't really be getting any exercise. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of the – that's the analogy for me. Like, if you're a musician, you have you should have a desire to write something. When I listen to stuff that I think I did well at, proud of it because I actually wrote it. You know, I wrote it. Right. I didn't tell a machine to write it for me. I didn't have – you know, a smart kid do my homework. Mm-hmm. I did my homework. You know, I created that song, and that will. I, I can't imagine wanting to to give that up and and just sit on the couch and have a machine do all my work for me. What's the point? Right. What's the point and of being beyond, a musician? Anybody can do it. And beyond <laughs> that, is the value of the music that you re- write is a song that it's created by this artificial intelligence going to have the lasting value of, say, uh, well, let's take, for example, Scarborough Fair, which was a Mm -hmm. classic hit by uh, Simon and Garfunkel, and it still is considered a classic today. And as a matter of fact, someone we know, someone in our presence (laughs) here today, has done a rearrangement, a reimagination of that song, which just emphasizes the value of the human 
creation, the thought process, the the result of that process and what you create yourself as opposed to having an AI create it. We promised you that we had a couple of tracks that Grant shared with us that have not been released yet. And as you probably have guessed by now, this is one of them. We're going to give you a preview right now of Scarborough Fair as reinterpreted by Grant Malloy-Smith. Here it is.
the 2023 version of Scarborough Fair as reimagined by our guest today, Mr. Grant Malloy-Smith. And for those of you who have not but would like to track the history of the song up until today anyway, uh, there's a very interesting and pretty inclusive article online. Isn't everything online? The story behind the English folk song Scarborough Fair uh, by Galaxy Music Notes. So if you Google that, uh, galaxymusicnotes.com, the story behind, etc., cetera, uh, you'll find the history of the song and the development over the years. And we thank Mr. Grant Malloy-Smith for sharing his version with us today. Tell us, Grant, what made you decide to do that song? Well, this is that song is a collaboration between me and uh, Kevin Lucas. He's a Southern Illinois-based percussionist most well known for playing the marimba which you hear quite a bit of in, in that in that recording of course that's him playing that there's also that kind of uh bell-like instrument that you hear that's called an, an allophone and it's kind of mm. like a a set of bells you hit with mallets uh, you know all in different tones like okay. a marimba is uh right. they're not bells they're you know pieces of wood and that resonate um and he he played that too in there too to cover the a lot of the melody parts. Uh, we we just we made a collaboration about a year and a half ago, and we wanted to have another one. And that song just seemed like it would be it would be it would suit us both. You know, it would it's a folk song from hundreds of years ago. Right. So it's got that folk, folky thing about it, which is you know where I am, and then it's got uh, a lot of potential for uh, percussion and for his his. You know, he plays chromatic percussion instruments, which means they have notes, real real notes that you can play melodies right. with. Unlike drums, where you, they have notes, but then you can't really play a melody with drums. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Not regular drums, anyway. Gotcha. Um, but anyway, so that we we just joined together. We wanted to, we took the original song apart and put it back together again. Um, that was my part as the arranger and and the producer of it. You might notice there is a chorus in the song. That start, you know, on your way. Right. That doesn't exist. I, I'm that didn't exist before I made that up. The song never had a chorus. It's just a bunch of verses, one after the other, for five minutes. Well, it, it <laughs> which is an old-fashioned way of writing songs. Right. It fits in very well, and uh, I think uh, I think I can speak for John Bon Jovial also in saying that really, really impressed with what you have done in reimagining the song, updating it as it were, uh, without you know, without losing the the thought, the feel, the emotion of the original song. It's not like somebody had put it in an AI machine and had them rewrite <laughs> the song or something like that. You still have you still have that emotion, the feeling. We'll touch on that again, I think, in a few moments when we talk about copyrights, but I know John wants to jump in here. John? Yeah, well, first of all, that is just killer. I am so impressed with your cover of that song it is just i'm sitting here listening to this and not really at first comprehending what i'm hearing and the further we got into the song it's like damn this is good and it really is <laughs> grant it's you know my hats off to you i mean that's fantastic uh correct me if i'm wrong but did i hear a steel drum in there there's something like a steel drum in there um, that's played in, in one of the – there's two solos that Kevin does um, on, on a marimba and an allophone. And in conjunction with that, he's playing a counter rhythm with a uh, an African drum that has a very distinct pitch to it, sort of like a steel drum has. Uh, and he's using a tambourine. Then that's, that's really, what I'm picking up on then. 
Mm-hmm. I think so. I think that's what you're hearing. Yeah. And, and also at the at the beginning, uh, my compliments on you for using the harmonics the way you did. Very cool. Very cool. I kind of had no choice because the alophone is nothing but harmonics. <laughs> when you hit it, it's like you get the main note, but then you get nine other notes to come out with it too. So I had oh, to wow. use that. <laughs> some of them had to be repitched a little bit with, with a, some software that I have to make it to make them not uh, resonate against each other in an unpleasant way. You know. Hmm. So uh, interesting. I, I would I would hope and I would like to think that Paul Simon would be very pleased with what you've done to that song. Uh, it, it's just a beautiful rendition. It'll be interesting yeah, to well, see after this is uh, out. Well, you know what? We're going to make a, a video. In fact, Kevin is driving 1,000 miles this week to, to come here. I live in New England. We're going to go out to an island uh, near where I live and film uh, the video or should video record the video there on the, on the rocks N- near a lighthouse. It's going to be really amazing. He's bringing his marimbas, alophone. I'm going to have my acoustic guitar. I'm going to have my electric guitar for the the big rock well, solo of, at the end that I do. It's going to be a lot like of fun. What you did, kind of like what you did with Cahokia Winds. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. We try to look for a cool location that you know represents the, the song. In that case, very literally represented it because that's where the Cahokia people were from. Right. In this case, uh, they're not really from here, but uh, it's, it's fictional anyway. There's kind of a story. You'll see it when you see the video. You'll get the idea. Can't wait. Can't wait to see that. And I... I really, if you hear, if you should happen to hear from Paul Simon, uh, I would love to hear his comments, what he has to say on this. As a matter of fact, I might even try to track him down myself after the song has been out and there's a chance he may have seen it, see what he has to say about it. I, I, wow. I really, wow. really would be interested in his feel of it. Now, talking about artificial intelligence gaining ground, especially in the music industry, you'd want to know, what do you think that it will do? We've been talking about emotion. What do you think that it will do to the genuine emotion that music normally releases? Uh, can they can they be replicated by something like AI? I think to some degree, yes, because it's a really good copycat. And I, I, it depends. You know, it's, it's a tool like anything else, and it really depends on on who is using it and what their motivations are. So I, I would say that you've got people like, you know, Philip Glass and real innovators like that. I mean, he would use it and do something absolutely amazing with it, you know, because he, he, he wants to use it as a tool to expand what he can do and extend what he, extend his own imagination. Uh, but then you've got a bunch of people that just want to make money in the pop music industry and mm-hmm. uh, that normally pencil neck geeks who just want to make money, and they'll just try to program it and optimize it to – create the most catchy thing they can possibly do. They do it anyway now with people decoded what, you know, what works, mm-hmm. what doesn't work. And if you, you can lay these songs on top of each other, they're almost identical in terms of their arrangement, their structure, the key, the tempo, everything else that you can imagine. The machine is just going to do it way faster and better than, than we can do it. So I, I don't know. If you like that kind of pop slick stuff, you know, you're going to get more of it faster. If you don't like it, just ignore it like I do. <laughs> so it just it depends on on who's using the tool. You know, it can be yeah. tools can be used for good or evil. You can take a typewriter and write a masterpiece, or you can smash it over somebody's head if you're a psychopath. Absolutely. <laughs> I had mentioned the uh, copyright question, which I know is something that uh, many people are interested in. The question of who owns the copyright 
to AI music. Mm-hmm. While it remains uncertain, when it's used as a collaborative tool, as a function of human creative process, it's yeah. likely that U.S. copyright laws will apply. However, and this is the big but, music outputs solely generated by AI are not copyright protected. And Mm. uh, as the statement goes on to quote it specifically, it says, in the compendium of U.S. copyright practices, the Copyright Office has stated that it would not grant copyrights to, quote, works that lack human authorship. And Mm. he goes on to say, quote, the office will not register works produced by a machine or mere mechanical process that operates mm. randomly or automatically without any creative input or intervention mm. from a human author, end quote. Yeah. What's your comment on that, Grant? Well, I would say it's very easy to get around that stipulation because I would always give it some input, say, write me a song about a girl who loses her shoe and then marries a prince and then make it in the key of G and up-tempo, right. at, least, uh, right. at least 120 beats a minute. Now I've given it what I want as a template, uh, mm-hmm. And it created it. So now I am partially the author. Maybe we have to have a co-write agreement with the machine. <laughs> so, I mean, well, you could hire a human being to do that for you, you know. Yeah. But you'd have to get a contract with them that whatever they create for you is work done for hire. Just like when I right. hire musicians to play on my recordings, you know, I pay them money, but they don't own the song. I, I own it because what they did right. for me is work for hire. Paid them, and like when someone puts a roof on your house, you paid them. And they don't own your house or the roof. You do. Glad you brought that up because on the surface, the statement seems very clear and to the point and easy to understand. But as you, yeah. just, uh, as you just pointed out, there are equally easy ways to get around that yeah. point. And we're going to get around yeah. the point of AI here for just a moment because I want to bring in another track that you have so generously shared with us. And uh, folks... This is the track that I promised you. This one is not going to be around until next year. So you can put this in your memory bank and watch for it when <laughs> the Grant comes out with his next American Stories album next year. You can say you were the first to hear it because this is the first place it's being played in the world. And we're going to play it for you right now here on the David Bowers Awards. It's Grant Malloy Smith and Lord Knows I Cried.
they took his hand and they prayed in the faltering light. How could a man love his mama and kin and side with the devil and do what he did? Here in the hour of our need, where is our dream? Yep. Yes. 
So the other ones are like Dust Bowl American Stories, Appalachia American Stories. This one will be, will be Mississippi American Stories. Uh, I will be putting up a way to pre-order it uh, this summer. So okay. if you go to my website, it's my three names, just like my mother used to yell at me when she was a little bit angry at me <laughs> for whatever I did. Grant Malloy Smith. So it's Grant-Malloy with one L-Smith.com. And if you go there, it's got links to all my existing music, music videos, um, and some previews of what's coming up, and links to all the social media stuff. You can Fantastic. buy CDs and, and vinyl records on there. You can send me a note, and I'll, I see it. I don't have anybody running my website. I do it myself. So if you communicate with me on there, it's it's really You're communicating with the real, the real person. There's no yes, AI, no. no AI machine. No, no AI. No, uh, <laughs> no intern. <laughs> now, you, you also, uh, the Scarborough Fair track we just played, now that one is coming out this summer, and that yes. is going to be on another album, right? We don't know yet. We're probably going to make a oh. record. Kevin and I have done two of these songs now, and if we get enough of them together, we, we will put them all out as a, as a actual album. We will do that. Okay. Something to look forward to there. His name is Grant Malloy Smith. Grant, I want to thank you so much for coming by and sharing your views as a recording artist and a very successful one uh, on AI and its effect on the music industry. I know we could have talked for another couple of hours about this, but I, hopefully we have given the emerging artists, the newcomers, the ones that you know haven't already established themselves in the industry, some sort of idea of what to look forward to, what to think about in building their career. Again, our thanks to you. Please keep in touch. We look forward to you coming back and sharing your music with us. Thank you, sir. You're very welcome. Thank you, Grant. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Grant Malloy Smith, look him up online. He wants to hear from you. So if you've got comments, you direct them directly to him, and uh, I know he'll appreciate it. We're going to close out with another one of my favorites from Grant Smith's American Series albums. This one from his last one, Cahokia Wins with Kevin Lucas. Here we go. Grant Malloy Smith.
Cahokia Winds, Grant Malloy Smith, and uh, we thank him so much for stopping by and sharing with us today. That tune from the album is uh, it's a fantastic album, too. He does some great stuff on there, including uh, one that really trippy. You can hear the winds in the background as I'm talking here. Uh, really trippy. He did a song called Our Coal Comes Up that's on that album that he recorded in a West Virginia coal mine. Talk about the emotion and the feel of this music. Uh, he really gets down to it. Grant Malloy Smith, we hope that uh, those of you who are interested in AI as it relates to music, hope we gave you a few things to think about, things to look forward to, and uh, think seriously about as you advance your career. John Bon Jovial, that's about all I can say. I think it's time for you to take us home. Well, I think so, too. Maybe the artificial intelligence taxi will come and give me a ride. Guess I'm awfully tired, so I don't know if I want to drive. <laughs> Folks, you've done it again. And in all sincerity, thank you so much for being with us for this hour here at the David Bowers Awards, and especially such an important subject as artificial intelligence. Uh, it can be beneficial. It can be controversial. We're going to leave that uh, in your capable hands to make a judgment call on. The David Bowers Awards is broadcast around the world from our studios in Naples, Florida, and, of course, from the Valley of the Sun in Tempe, Arizona. And we are available for free on most of the streaming services. Please be sure to join us next week for the David Bowers Awards, Saturday on WRFZ-FM. That's 106.3 on your FM radio dial in Rochester, New York, otherwise known as Rochester Free Radio. And if you're out of their range, then you, all you got to do is go to rochesterfreeradio.com on your interwebs machine, and you can listen to this show as well as everything else that WRFC has to offer, and they have a lot to offer. And that's going to be noon on Saturday. You can also find us on Blog Talk Radio Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, and 6 p.m. UTC. So until next week, for The David Bowers, I am yours truly, the lovely, legendary John Bon Jovial, saying be good to each other, love each other, because really that's what it's all about. And we'll see you next week right here on The David Bowers Awards.